everyone. This is Sean Dubrovac with Avrio Institute. And this is Ross Rubin at Radical Research. We're bringing you a quick take from CES. So thanks for joining the podcast today. Uh, the, the big news, obviously, to start with, and there's been a lot of big announcements already, but the big news has been uh, Apple's strong presence here at CES. You've seen everything from billboards touting Apple's uh, strong security features of the iPhone to a slew of partnership announcements with Vizio, Sony, Samsung, LG. So some of these companies that used to be um, steep competitors of Apple have now joined them as as partners. Uh, Ross, what are some of your initial thoughts on some of these uh, announcements that we've seen come out? And, And as uh, you noted before we jumped in the call, it really does piggyback right on what we were talking about last week and some of the, the announcements we saw uh, from Apple around their revenue projections and the direction of the firm. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I, I think from a, a, a couple of different angles. First, uh, kind of a long-running theme in our podcast, such, such as it's been, uh, the uh, the transition of Apple from a hardware-centric company to a uh, more content-centric company, or, or at least as they gear up to launch the next phase of their content business, because you know it, it's really not about being able to play your iTunes downloads on a Samsung television. It's about planting the seed for their uh, streaming. Uh, offering their their streaming offering to compete with Netflix and Directv Now and and these these other services. So uh, this this really sets the stage for that. You know, la- last week we were also talking about what kinds of things Apple could do to make their presence better known in in the home, and we we talked about a few opportunities for that. The trade offs and and uh, trade-offs between developing everything themselves and uh, partnering. And we, we talked about HomeKit and their approach to the digital home. Well, AirPlay 2 is their way of expanding out the idea of casting uh, Apple content from Apple devices, be it you know an iPhone, an iPad, a Mac, uh, onto historically just Apple TV, and they had done a, a couple of audio announcements, and now really comes the video. And once upon a time, it was heavily rumored that Apple was going to enter the TV business, but clearly it seems that that's not going to happen now. And in one fell swoop, they have partnered with uh, you know a very sizable chunk of the uh, the U.S. TV market between Samsung, Vizio, uh, LG, and Sony. Yeah, I mean, exactly to your point. They suddenly now have presence on uh, the TV market without having to go into that market and produce what is a, a very d- difficult market to produce in, very low margins, even on relatively hot premium televisions. And uh, and so now they're there. I'm a big fan of you know Chromecast. I use it all the time and for different applications. And so AirPlay Two definitely goes head to head with Chromecast. Op- mm-hmm. Offers an opportunity to bring content directly from your phone onto your 
your TV so the phone stays central to that experience, which they like. Any Apple device could also be an iPad, but uh, stays central to that experience. And now you're able to move that content onto TVs. And as you said, it's this is really about the content that they will start to bring to market. So the, the next big step, the next big win that Apple needs is some really competitive, really attractive, unique content, uh, original content that uh, dr- that becomes the talk of the town that everybody wants to see and watch. And that will get them comfortable with this experience. And then and then Apple will have a very strong foothold and it could happen very, very quickly. All they really mm-hmm. need is one big blockbuster original that will push people in that direction. Sure. I think it's also interesting how in supporting AirPlay 2, they have really transcended a number of native operating systems adopted by a lot of these TV manufacturers. So Sony up till now has been backing uh, Android TV. Samsung has had its own operating system and uh, and its Bixby agent uh, now working in its TV for for many years. Uh, LG using the WebOS, which they picked up from uh, from HP after uh, HP moved on. And Vizio really going for more of a casting option uh, focused heavily on Google Chromecast, as you mentioned. So four very different approaches, uh, four different operating systems. But by supporting AirPlay 2, Apple has opened the door to uh, all of these makes of, uh, of TVs, all of these brands of televisions, without having to necessarily, although this may happen down the line, je- you know, create some kind of proprietary app like Netflix or many other competitors might have to do for, uh, for, for each of those, those operating systems. Uh, but we'll see what happens. I, I think it will also be interesting to see if they support uh, Roku as an embedded option in uh, TCL that, that, uh, and, and Hisense. That would probably be the, the next step for them in terms of uh, targeting, targeting a vendor. Yeah, and you definitely see their shift towards services and, and software. I mean, their, their old bet in this space was Apple TV, and then a long rumor that they would get into the hardware category itself. And now you see them going, as you know, essentially uh, over the top, if you will, directly to to, to an embedded experience. Um, so I, I think it's a, a positive move, and I think the timing is great. I, you know, you got to mm. you got to think that um, Apple knew in advance, obviously, that all the TV manufacturers were going to announce this at CES, that it would sure. be a, a big story, and so they get out some of that negative uh, revenue. Uh, forecasts early and then a day or two later you know samsung breaks the news that they'll be shipping televisions with itunes and airplay 2 support um and you know it's it's really interesting to see that um and it's interesting to see it all here at ces because it's always been a, a big story that apple doesn't exhibit directly at ces and and yet there's been a slew of product announcements already and a core component of those uh are are apple and they're going to play with apple 
And uh, I think there's been some precedent for that in years past. I remember during the heyday of, uh, of, of the iPod, for example, one of the most popular categories you could find at CES were these speaker docks, you know, that, that had these uh, yep. connectors that uh, iPods could plug into. So even though Apple was not at CES back in those days, their, their presence was, uh, was certainly felt. And uh, to your point about the advertising, you know, this also plays on a theme that we've been discussing for the past couple of weeks. It's, it's one I've been hammering on a little bit more, which has been, hey, Apple, you know, it's great to talk to the industry about how strong your commitment to privacy is, but you need to get this message out to consumers a, a lot more. And uh, I think the, the phrasing of the billboard or, or the ad was something like, what happens on your iPhone stays on your iPhone, a, uh, a clever play on the old uh, the Vegas uh, tourism right. slogan. Uh, and uh, I'm going to give them, uh, feel like we're going back to the report card episode, but I'm, I'm going to give them partial credit for this one because it's, it's good to see them broadening the message. It's good to see them uh, getting out to the consumer electronics industry at large as opposed to say just a, an apple developer conference but it's still not quite the same as uh as, as broad consumer advertising the people who who ultimately buy uh buy apple products so so uh, you know it's, it's it's good to see them branching out but it's still not quite a substitute for getting the message out to consumers i would say well, and I, I got to believe that, um, well, there hasn't been a lot of disclosure regarding the agreement that is mm. part of these agreements. There's ad buy that I'm sure Apple required of these. Uh, you know, I, I think Apple is a, has a strong power position in these partnerships, and I'm sure they required uh, ad buy of these companies. And I also think mm. that the companies are naturally going to want to promote that. I mean, Apple oh, has sure. a really strong market share in, in the U S and, and so uh, I, yeah, I think it's kind of natural that, that these manufacturers who are trying to sell premium products and premium experience, we saw a lot of 8k and 4k displays launched already. Um, and, you know, and trying to sell those, they'll want to tout some of these newer features. So we'll, we'll I think we'll see more of that. And speaking to your point, we'll see more of that directed directly at the consumer. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, this, the, 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 the deal with Apple TV, right, like any of these add-on boxes, uh, the, you know, you, you can't, keep relying on that as your strategy forever, whether you're Apple or Roku or, or Amazon, because Apple knows as, as well as anyone that nothing beats integration. <laughs> you know, it's, it's very difficult to, to beat integration. And, uh, and, and why do you need to buy an Apple TV as over the course of time, more and more consumers replace their televisions with ones that are connected? So uh, it, uh, it, it, it in some ways detracts from the experience to, you know, despite however nice a job Apple may do on Apple TV to have to rely on this external, um, external box to deliver so much of the content that is 
already being offered on a lot of these network, you know, na natively networked televisions. So um, th this is uh, definitely the the way forward for them. So uh, what um, and what, was there a lot of talk about this at the show, Sean, or uh, were there other things that were capturing people's imaginations so far? Well, so there was definitely a lot of talk about this, especially Samsung, which was first out of the gate. Right. surprised a lot of people so there was a lot of a lot of talk and then to see the other manufacturers announced uh but there have been uh, as in classic cs fashion as there always is every year lots of things that that captured the attention uh yesterday at cs unveiled which is a press event that kind of kicks off the, the week of cs i saw the bread bot which automates bread making and bread baking so there were a lot of puns around that product, as you can imagine. It was the, the best thing since sliced bread and uh, all the things that uh, you can imagine. But it was a very cool um, approach to kind of a non-traditional uh, tech product. And we saw that, you know, we're seeing the broad digitization of, of things. We talk so much about the Internet of things and it's this opaque kind of idea but you see the digitization of things in in something like this bread bot it has what was was there like an ai angle to it or well uh, not, not really. so much an ai angle it, i mean it it solves a fundamental problem of a lot of bread sold at grocery stores is delivered from third-party bakeries that aren't mm. on premise and so this enables fresh bread to be sold on on premise um, it produces wow. a fresh loaf of bread about every six minutes. It takes about 90 wow. minutes to, to bake uh, a loaf of bread from start to finish. It has about 100 sensors on board, so it's measuring everything as it goes. So you're getting kind of the perfect loaf of bread. And the idea is that you could walk in the store and you could walk out with a, wow. with a hot loaf of bread. So and, it was more of a commercial device. Yeah, definitely. The idea is that you would, you would license. I think the initial approach is licensing the technology licensing the, the hardware uh and em, employing it in a, a commercial environment but you can mm. imagine that this enables a lot of new players to get into the fresh bread market so somebody like mm -hmm. a convenience store Dwayne reed a uh, uh, 7-eleven mm. could get into the fresh bread market and All right and then it leads to you know what else might we see in in this space and, and how well, what other things might we see start showing up here so um Lots of technologies around just the digitization of, of information. I saw um, a couple other kind of things in this realm. For example, I saw a wristband that you could wear if you were riding a motorcycle, for example, and it will convey information to you um, through through that, the uh, helmet or uh... well, just that you would wear around your your wrist. So it's not a heads up display. It's not a mounted display, but it, it would just signal to you through um you know just through uh through a response mechanism that okay. there is an accident ahead or traffic yeah. ahead or, or something just to get your attention that there's something beyond your your vision uh, to be aware of and so i see it, the idea is to take information that might be out there through ways or something else and deliver it to the user without having to take their attention so it would oh so it would uh, vibrate in a yeah. distinctive way to let you know uh-huh yeah i think that was the, the design to vibrate mm -hmm. um we definitely see artificial intelligence showing up in lots of different places john deere is here for the first time they've got a big combine in their in their booth 
and they're showing AI on the farm and what, uh, you know, what AI is doing there. Uh, I saw Oral-B came out with a um, toothbrush that's using yeah. artificial intelligence. So it's taking wow. what it knows from thousands of its users and uh, making recommendations on how to better improve your, your teeth brushing experience. See, that, that, I find that one interesting because a couple of years ago, they came out with their first Bluetooth-connected toothbrushes. And at that time, a lot of people said, who needs this? And the answer in retrospect, at least to some extent, was Oral-B, right? Because as we've come to increasingly learn over the past few years, one of the big incentives for companies to launch these connected products is uh, is that they receive data on the back end. So even if they are not huge commercial successes, and they, they often are not because of the high price points, the data that they get back can be very valuable. Yeah, and, and I think you're starting to see them de- deploy that data and you employ that data in new ways. And I mean, <clears throat> I, I like this type of approach. It, it brings coaching into new environments. I saw a small puck that you could put on the, the front of a surfboard. I think it, they mm-hmm. had some other applications and it would provide to you real-time coaching based upon no. the sensor data that it's pulling in. So I thought that was kind of an interesting um, you know, approach too. It's like the digitization, again, of different things. And we've seen sensors deployed in, in some of these settings before. Now we're adding this new element where we take the data that we've captured over many years, we are adding in some artificial intelligence, maybe it's machine learning, and then we are um, re-employing that data in, in terms of coaching, giving advice to, to individuals. So I think there's some really interesting things there. And, you know, I, I would say broadly this year at CS, I feel like there's been a lot of things we've been talking about for a number of years that we're finally seeing come to fruition. So 5G mm. was clearly an example right. of that where you're finally starting to see 5G in our products ready for ready to you know to go to market this year yeah. in 2019. Networks actually launching. So, Networks actually yeah. launching. Uh, LG with their rollable display says they'll mm-hmm. be releasing it for sale in 2019. So that, that's that's pretty uh, awesome to see things Very like this. Cool. So we we've been talking about these technologies for a while and we're finally starting to see them come to fruition and, and become commercially available. Mm -hmm. Well, great. Uh, Yeah. I mean, there are uh, been a couple of things that I've seen just coming over the uh, transom that, that have struck me as interesting. One is as we move to more of this internet of things paradigm one of the key issues is power consumption. Certainly, it's been a key issue around wearables for a long time. And there have been a few products and technology shown off that make use of harvestable or energy harvesting. The idea is that it can take advantage of um, just the movement of your body or your wrist or, or trace amounts of light from a room in order to keep certain objects going. One is a smartwatch. It's actually the second version of, uh, of this smartwatch. I think it launched on Indiegogo yesterday. 
uh, and and the idea is that it you know it, it doesn't need to be charged, uh, which has been one of the key things, key consumer complaints about smartwatches and something that a lot of the mainstream manufacturers have been working uh, very diligently to try to squeeze more battery life uh, out out of their watches. But uh, the idea with this thing is that it it has a color display. It can measure your your heart rate uh, and it can somehow get uh, enough energy to do this just from the movement of your body throughout the day now you know citizen had a echo drive i think uh, decades ago uh, being able to keep a watch going just off the movement of your uh, of, of your body your gait throughout the day uh, but to be able to get it to the point where you can power a smartwatch, which requires much more energy, is, uh, is kind of a, ver a very cool engineering achievement. Uh, there, there's also a company called Enocean, E-N-O-C-E-A-N. Uh, -E it is a, a company and also an industry alliance that is working on a standard that would uh, allow things like light switches, um, uh, sensors, you know, you mentioned sensors uh, around the home to uh, keep going based on just harvesting trace amounts of, say, uh, room lighting uh, and, and be able to, to maintain functionality for quite some time uh, without necessarily having to be charged. So, that is, uh, they're also very much positioned as, as an IoT play. And then, uh, in terms of of the coaching, uh, one of the uh, an, another product I saw that that seemed very intriguing to me was uh, I think it's pronounced uh, Elliq or Elliq E L L I capital Q. This is a robotic like companion. I don't think it actually moves, but it, but it's kind of like an Alexa ish companion for uh, older consumers, uh, seniors that uh, is intended to keep people mentally engaged, uh, being more proactive, asking them to, you know, if they want to engage in certain activities. So uh, that seemed to me to be uh, an interesting step forward, perhaps, in anticipatory uh, AI uh, interaction with, uh, with consumers. So uh, it's, it's a huge societal issue, and uh, to the extent that uh, technology can help uh, with, uh, with loneliness um, for, for seniors, uh, you know, that, that could definitely be a huge win. And uh, to your point, Sean, another kind of milestone that we've been talking about for, for many years that the technology seems to be on the cusp of, of addressing, although, you know, perhaps not breaking through quite as much yet as some of the ones you mentioned. And it's showing up in different pockets in different places. So, for example, I saw a pair of shoes that have fall detection built into them mm -hmm. so you can pick up uh, fall detection. I think we've talked about sensors a lot. You see sensors showing up in a lot of places. And I think that that theme continues monitoring, detecting, you know, recognizing a change in state and then communication. So, for example, I saw a snowboard helmet that detects fall or de you know, detects like a fall or detects some of these other things and then you can push a button on the side to communicate 
you know, and, and send an SOS if you if you need to. So so there you go. Sean is uh, what what gets Sean's attention is uh, <laughs> surfing, si- you know, motorcycling, and uh, <laughs> I'm about staying at home with the robot. So that, that gives you an idea of what our, our various social lives are like. Um, yeah, well, you definitely see all of that, uh, all of that spectrum here at, at CES. The robots sure. are uh, are strong, and maybe our next CES episode we'll have to talk about all the robotics that we're seeing uh, here at here at CES. That sounds cool. All right. Well, uh, I know you've had a busy day and uh, are gearing up for probably a a busier one tomorrow. So uh, uh, maybe we should uh, take a break here and uh, hopefully we can uh, resume with with another special CES episode. Sounds good, Ross. Thanks for uh, joining us, everyone, here at CES. And uh, we look forward to catching up again. Again, I'm Sean Dubervac. You can send all your comments and suggestions to me at Sean Dubervac. And I'm Ross Rubin. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Rubin.